Hi friends, I'm so happy to see you today. Welcome to Annie's Pink Chair, where we bring real, raw, relevant issues to the table from a woman's perspective with wit and wisdom. Today's guest, OMG. You have no idea how excited I am right now because I am a person that loves to talk about problems in our communities and in our societies. And one of our major problems right now we have is addiction. And especially since this pandemic took hold of all of us as a country, as a world, the past year and a half. So my guest today is Tim Ryan, and he is a recovering heroin addict from A&E's Dope Man and national thought leader on opioid endemic, endemic addiction, mental health, suicide, a tireless advocate for long-term recovery, Tim Ryan is no stranger to addiction. Despite a successful business career, Tim found himself in the grips of heroin and ultimately was sentenced to seven years in prison for drug-related convictions. Tim got clean and sober behind bars. Well, listen, I want Tim to share the rest of the story because it's just too good to just tell you all in the bio. So, Tim, welcome to Pink Chair. We Hello, are Annie. So, Thanks. I'm so happy to have you here. Glad to be here. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? You know, uh, my wife and I work in the trenches of this pandemic with the, the addiction and mental health crisis. And if we're not doing speaking events or interviews, we're doing interventions and guiding and directing families on a daily basis. It's, it's, it's intense right now because it's we're, we're in a pandemic within a pandemic right now. No, you're absolutely right. Can you share with us how the heck did you become the dope to hope man? Like this is a really <laughs> catchy saying. And it's like when I heard it the first time I was like, hold up. How can you have hope from dope? Because listen, I'm an ex addict myself. So yep. that's why I really honor and admire you and your wife, because you guys are like in just changing everyone's life by being there for them and being public figures that are advocates for people that are addicted, that are almost dying, that want to get sober. So tell yeah. me what happened. <laughs> you know, it, it, I never planned on doing what I do today. It was all God. And I, I struggled with addiction my entire life. Um, you can read my book, Tim Ryan, From Dope to Hope, available on Amazon. <laughs> but ultimately, you know, I picked up heroin when I was 14 months clean and sober. I was attending a 12-step based program, but I never got a sponsor and worked the steps. I'm the guy that thought I could get sober through osmosis. And I met a guy, Joel, took him to Chicago to move out of his apartment. As I'm moving him out, his roommate, Saba, pops out and says, what are you doing here? I said, I'm moving out, Joel. What are you doing? He said, I'm doing heroin. You want to do some? Sure. One bag. <laughs> That will, that one bag turned into a 12 year habit. Okay, uh, hold ultimate. up. Yeah. I wanna ask about that because <laughs> I've always been afraid of needles. I'm not a needle person. So yeah. needles didn't intimidate you at all. And hearing snorted, about any heroin addiction never intimidated you at all of becoming too addicted? So this was back in probably 2000, 2001. I snorted it. I didn't shoot it up the first time. I snorted it and I'm like, God, I. I like the way this makes me feel, but a year and a half later, it progressed to injecting 
And my worst fear now at almost nine years sober is going to the doctor for a physical because I have to take blood. And all my veins in my arms and hands are completely collapsed in my feet. Um, and I, I despise needles. And I never thought that's where my life would go. But at the peak, you know, I was doing five grams of heroin a day. I was probably shooting up 20 times a day. Yeah. How it, much it, money is that? Oh, 500 bucks a day. I spent a couple million probably on heroin alone and throwing lawyers and consequences and multiple DUIs and driving on revokes and wow. two, two times in prison. Afford that. How do you afford $500 a day? I mean, so, it, it's a wonder to me how you didn't turn into a male prostitute or some sort of drug dealer or scammer or manipulator, right? So I scammed and manipulated my family. I always worked and I worked very hard, but as I owned an executive search firm. So basically, if I place someone making a hundred thousand base salary, I got a twenty-five thousand dollar fee. And the average salaries I was doing was probably 200,000 to a half million. So I could place one or two people and have 50 or 80 grand in the bank. And I always was able to function. I hate the word, you know, I was a functioning addict. No, I was the lowest of the low. I slept under Lower Wacker Drive with the homeless people a couple nights a week because I was more comfortable there than being in my five bedroom house with my former wife and four kids at the time. Because I used to live and I lived to use. I functioned, but my whole world revolved around drinking and doing heroin until it didn't. So I want to know the root of that, because I'm sure every time you go to group or you, you get your therapy or whatever, people want to know, the doctors want to know, the therapists want to know, well, where is this coming from? There's some roots here. Did something happen tragic when you were little? Did you have trauma? Did you have triggers? Like what happened to you? You know, it all is based around trauma. I think every, and my wife says this, I, I'll steal it from Jennifer. Everybody in some way, shape or form is a trauma survivor. And I didn't realize that until I was two and a half years sober at a conference in Chicago. And I saw someone by the name of Dr. Gabor Mate speak, who's worked with indigent and homeless. I to, love him. Yeah. He's yeah. so great. Uh, Realm of the Hungry Ghost. I mean, look up Gabor Mate and watch his video on addiction. And he says, basically, it's either emotional, mental, spiritual, physical, or sexual loss. And me being adopted, I didn't realize that people that are adopted are 48,000 times more susceptible to become an alcoholic or drug addict due to the abandonment issues. I'm actually working yeah. with my, my therapist on that right now. <clears throat> and I'll share, last week I had a therapy session and I told my therapist, I said, Jennifer, my wife, thinks it has to do with me being adopted. And I said, I always knew I was. I had great parents. We lived on a lake. We had a very stable family. He said, Tim, but you were in the womb for nine months and, and you were safe. And three days later, you were taken away from your mother. You were abandoned, however you want to look at it. And I'm like, wow. So I had that and I had an older brother that was a narcissist and beat me up and the learning disabilities and molested by the babysitter and the whole kit and caboodle. And, Alcohol and drugs became my outlet. Um, I mean, I was going up to Wisconsin drinking at 14 years old because the drinking age was still 18 and cocaine know, at 15. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it just, <laughs> I lived to use and used to live. And my first time in treatment was 1990. You know, um, I stayed sober here and I bounced in and out of recovery and church. And what I didn't realize was I was always trying to live Tim's will and not God's will. And once I got out of my way and 
And that took me getting my third DUI. I overdosed on heroin. I hit two cars, almost killed four people. And oh uh, I, yeah, I fought the case for 21 months. <clears throat> and in the midst of fighting the case, now everybody, my family, my kids know I'm a heroin addict. And I'm about three months into fighting the case and I'm, I'm out of heroin. So I'm profusely sick. I'm taking a hot bath and my 17 year old son, Nick comes in the bathroom and said, what's wrong pops? And I said, what do you think you idiot? I'm dope sick. And he said, not anymore, dad. Today's your lucky day. And my son threw two bags of heroin on the counter. <gasps> yeah. Oh. So I got out of the tub and I did them and I went in his room and I said, Nick, what are you doing? And uh, he said, well, don't worry, Dad, I'm selling a little bit. I said, Nick, you need to shut this down immediately. I said, this isn't a little weed. This is heroin. And you know what this has done to me? And my son looked right at me and said, well, Dad, you're a successful drug addict. And I said, why would you say that? And he said, well, we got a nice house. He got an office in the Wrigley building. You make a good living. See, in Nick's delusional mind, because I functioned, he thought I was successful. Three months later, I caught him doing heroin. We started using heroin together. And people don't understand that's how my son and I bonded, doing right. drug runs, getting high. We lived to use and used to live. And then uh, October 30th, I was sentenced to seven years in prison in the Illinois Department of Corrections. And when I went in, I uh, snuck 50 bags of heroin into the jail with me. If I would have got caught, I didn't realize after the fact that's 15 to 45 years first offense. I just wow. didn't want to be. I just didn't want to be dope sick. And at Cook County Jail, you could see a doctor and get some meds. And three days later, I was transferred to Sheridan Prison. Well, I, Northern Illinois Receiving Center first, where I spent a month, and I didn't sleep a wink. I, I defecated and vomited myself for about two weeks straight. And I looked up and I said, God, higher power, if you're out there, please take away mm. this obsession. Please take away this obsession and compulsion to use, and I swear I will turn my will and life over to you, and please let me get into Sheridan Prison. The next day I was transferred to Sheridan Prison, and since that day I've never had a thought of drinking or using a drug in my life. And I got into a therapeutic community. I did 13 and a half months. My wife divorced me, lost our home in foreclosure, displaced my wife and four kids. And when I got out, it was the first time in my life I was clean and sober. Soon as my parole agent showed up, I was at another 12-step base meeting, uh, started doing uh, church, getting into more spiritual aspects of life, trying to understand my internal versus my external, and started some family support groups, set up a nonprofit, stumbled into working in the treatment space, and then on my 21-month sobriety date, my 20-year-old uh, son, Nicholas, succumbed to an accidental drug overdose. And Hi friends, it's Annie Lobert from Annie's Pink Chair and I am actually on location at our nonprofit ministry called The Destiny House. And do you feel and see the presence that's going on here? The peace, the calmness, the comfort, the beautiful grass, the trees. This is what each woman comes to when she enters our Destiny House program for sex trafficking victims. Would you please consider partnering with us monthly or just send us a one-time donation? Just go to our website at hookersforjesus.net and click on donate. And listen, your donation goes to a good cause and it's tax deductible. Thank you so much.
You know, I, I'll ask people, my ex-wife wow. called me. Yeah, we shot to the hospital. She was a nurse. She said, Nick's unresponsive. I'm really worried. And I don't talk about this. I took my cell phone and I plugged it into her car charger and a song came up instantly off my playlist. And it was by the band 6AM, which is Nikki Six, former heroin addict. And it's yes. all, mm-hmm. all addiction songs. The song that came up was Courtesy Call. And it's about them finding somebody dead in a hotel room. So I unplugged the phone. We shot to the hospital in silence and ran into the emergency room. Tim and Shanna Ryan here to see our son, Nicky, overdosed. And 30 seconds later, the chaplain walked out. I knew he was dead. What was my next thought? What was my next thought? And people say, oh, you wanted to go get high? No, my next thought was I'll be at a, a meeting that night. I called my sponsor and. And since then, I've been to 150 funerals. I've probably assisted thousands of people on the road to recovery and speak all over the country and had another daughter. Uh, I have a beautiful six-year-old today. So God called one home, blessed me with little Mackenzie. And then uh, my life shifted drastically three years ago when I'm at the top of my game. I'm speaking nationwide. I'm on every news show. I'm working in treatment. I'm running my nonprofit but I had a void. I was in a horrific relationship that I stayed in because I had a child. I was either ready to relapse or blow my head off. And I wanted to partner with the female and this lady, Jennifer Jimenez had been following me and I was following her and I ultimately messaged her and we started talking and she's coming up on 16 years sober, former supermodel actress, but she's speaking all over the country. And we finally got talking and about six weeks in, she says, hey, Tim, why don't you put your money where your mouth is? I don't want any broken promises. You either want to get together and talk shop or not. So I bought a plane ticket, flew to Florida, met her, gave her a hug. It was like we we're instantly connected. God put Jen and I together for a reason. Four hours later, I said, I am going to marry you and spend the rest of my life with you. And she goes, maybe you should finish your divorce. Go sow your oats. And I said, my divorce will be final in a month. And six months later, I was engaged to Jen and we got married uh, on New Year's Eve in the Justice of the Peace in Beverly Hills on uh, October, on, uh, Jan- December 31st of 2019. And, and my life is just amazing. But yeah, we're in the trenches here and just trying to help people. Wow, that's such an incredible story. I'm so happy for you, by the way. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, it's really beautiful when you can meet someone that totally understands your heart and even can see things that we don't see. I mean, I'm married too right now and my husband sees things in me that I don't see good and bad. And I don't like it when he points out the, the things that I don't understand or that are, you know, bad about my personality where I'm struggling. And I really like how you hit on uh, the abandonment issue and how your wife saw that, because that is real. And yep. um, honestly, the abandonment thing is something that happens to a lot of addicts. Because I, I don't know if you felt this or not, but when I, I was growing up in my childhood, my dad was just never there for me. And he was really harsh. And we never really had a relationship until way later. But that felt like abandonment, even though he lived in our home. And for me to drink or not, no, not necessarily just drink, but opiates, cocaine, painkillers was my go-to. And when I did those things, Tim, 
I felt home and I felt peace, right? Yeah. And so I don't know if you felt when you were getting high that that's what you were trying to attain is just <clears throat> to feel normal. Exactly. Feel it all, it, at it, peace. It, it, people think, oh, you were trying. No, I was just trying to survive. But unfortunately, my, my tolerance built and I needed a lot more drugs. But the darn thing is, a lot of people enabled me, my ex-wife, my parents. And it's like, why didn't you intervene and, and say something? But everything has been taught to me has been learning lessons from my addiction to prison, to getting out, to my son passing away, to a, another bad failed marriage, to the best life I have now. God is constantly teaching me and, and I can take what I want and benefit or I can go back to old ways and I just choose not to live that way anymore. And, and I also noticed <clears throat> when you were in jail and you decided not to ever get high again, that that was like a surrender to it God, absolutely, right? I mean, it, it, it was. And, you know, God works in weird ways. I, I When I got to prison, you do 30 days in a SAG building and then you go to this orientation hall and I was able to get into one of the little buildings, which were nicer for prison. And I walk into my cell and there's this big black guy, 400 pounds, all muscle sitting on the bunk and he's reading an AA big book. And I kind of walked in and I said, hey, what's up? And he looks up <laughs> at me like, like I bothered him. And he says, hey, Whitey, you into recovery? <laughs> yeah. I said, yeah, why? He said, because if not, brother, you ain't coming in this cell because that's all we do in here. I said, I'm into recovery. He said, hey, I'm Big Perk. And I said, I'm Tim. He said, Tim, I think I'm going to call you Powder. I said, you can call me whatever you want. Uh, Big Perk was a Chicago gang chief for 25 years. He read, led one of the most ruthless street gangs in Chicago. He had been to prison 10 times. And uh, that man is my my savior. He's my best friend in the world. And that wow. man helped, sa helped save my life because 18 hours a day in that cell, we didn't watch TV. We weren't there to do push-ups for noodles and get swell. We were there to change. So we studied the Bible, went through all the big book stuff. I read probably three, four hundred books on spirituality, on Napoleon Hill, Tony Robbins, you name it. I read it and I wrote two business plans for two nonprofits and I got out and started one of those. And the stories and the things that have happened, I mean, sometimes it's good to just sit back because your initial question was, how did you do this? I didn't. A power greater than me guided and directed me to do this. And this is I my will that. now. Yeah. I, I mean, I love it. I was I, trained I, from being adopted through addiction, through having a son. All this was my training ground for what I do today moving forward. And I tell you what, you have authority in that area. You and your wife, even as a team, because wherever you guys walk and speak, people will listen and they will take those words into their heart and they will really make a change because they can see that you both have done that with your both with your lives. And I wanted to talk about you guys were working with Dr. Drew and I, I was on Dr. Drew one time and I met him. What a nice guy. Drew um, is <laughs> he's the best. Yeah. Tell me about that. So I met Dr. Drew five, six years ago on the Steve Harvey show in Chicago. We were doing an intervention and uh, the kid left. So I ran outside, got him, brought him into Dr. Drew's green room and we did an intervention. And the next day I flew the kid to treatment and 
I looked at Dr. Drew. I said, I need your cell phone number. He said, I'm sorry, Tim, I don't give it out. I said, I will never abuse it. I will never share it. I will only call you when I need your guidance and direction. And he gave it to me. And That's then when awesome. I, I got, I got to send you this. I, I wrote a book called From Dope to Hope and Dr. Drew uh, wrote the whole back of it. And we became friends. Well, it turns out when I met Jennifer, the first person when we decided to have a relationship, we took a picture and I sent it to Dr. Drew and I said, this is who I'm gonna marry. And he says, I approve. Cause when my wife went to treatment, he was actually her doctor and he declared her dead three times and she hung herself and had to learn how to walk and talk in a wheelchair oh, to a walker. But a year later, Jen did the deal and started bringing her celebrity sober friends into the treatment center to speak and do meetings. And two years later, Dr. Drew called her and said, hey, Jen, I'm doing this TV show called Sober House on VH1, a spinoff from Celebrity Rehab, and I want you to run the house. And she said, why me? And he said, it's people like you that keep proving me wrong and keep me doing what I do on a daily basis. And she says, ain't that about a bitch? But, you know, next thing she's doing Sober House and then Celebrity Rehab and Four Seasons of Beverly Hills Housewives is uh, uh, Brandy Granville's her best friend. So she was on that and speaking nationwide. And I wanted to partner with the female because, you know, Annie, if I came in to speak in an event and you were in active addiction or in your past life, you want to come up to me and, and you start spewing all your trauma. I can help guide and direct you, but I need a female with me to do that. Women shouldn't be spewing all their trauma on me. So I want to partner with Jen. And now we're this kind of power couple and right. it works. It works well together because she's a, a hardcore trauma survivor. And from the supermodeling and all the stuff behind the scenes that have happened to her. And we share about it as you do. We carry a message of hope. And, you know, my tagline from dope to hope or dope to hope. Um, you know, I was hopeless in a prison cell, but when I, I closed my eyes and asked God for that little bit of help, a little bit of light came in and then it grew and grew and grew. So my motto is take them from dope to hope. Oh, I love your tattoos. Those are so <laughs> cool. You know, I, I like what you said about Jennifer because it is really good to have a female there, especially when a female is laying all her problems on you because sometimes with trauma, when you're so vulnerable, when someone gives you attention and it's an opposite sex, yeah. I mean, there you go. Yeah. I'm in love and, and, with you. No, you're not actually. You're, you, know, you think you are because I listen to you, okay? Annie, <laughs> I'm so glad you bring that up because my wife, I, I had three cell phones and I she'd be like, Tim, put on Do Not Disturb, but why is this mother messaging you at midnight about like, her kid no. Yeah, who's <laughs> drinking? But she taught me boundaries. Hey, look. Yeah, this you is, need them. And you got to have them. And unfortunately, in this industry, there's still predators, which right. I'm sure, you know, but we just keep pushing forward and helping one person at a time. And that's all we can do. I'm so proud of you both. Now, one last question is I wanted to because we're running out of time to ask you about what is going on with the opiate crisis and having communities hand people needl needles and and letting them shoot up in a safe space and maybe even possibly helping them find the dope just so we can help and put shelter over the homeless people and people that are being trafficked. What do you think of that type of model? Does that harm or does that help them? 
it's uh in my eyes it's uh uh not the right way to go it's called harm reduction and it started 20 years ago with clean needles and cookers and we have the aids and, and hiv epidemic under control and hep c what people don't understand it's fentanyl today fentanyl is 50 to 100 times stronger than pure heroin three grains of, of salt if that was fentanyl will kill you and we're yes. going to give someone a, a delivery mechanism to inject that safely but hold on this male or female has been out there turning 10 15 tricks a day just to be able to try to find a bed to keep their drug habit going but we want to make sure they have clean needles how about giving people the opportunity to get off the streets to get into a, a rehab facility right. to get them to get a medically detoxed hmm. at 90 days to six months minimum then integrate them into Christianity, 12 steps, smart recovery, refuge recovery, and get them connected with a job. People need connection and purpose. And what we're doing, it's we've had more deaths than ever, 93,000 yes. last year. I'd, I'd multiply that Ugh. by three. It's not getting any better. Um, but what we're doing is not working. And the whole medicated assisted treatment, Suboxone or methadone, all they do is prescribe meds now. There's no therapy. There's no treatment aspect to it. That's so band-aiding everything. Yes, ma'am. Yep, we're putting a band-aid on a bullet wound. It is. You know, if, it, if someone needs help, where can they go, Tim? Can they go to your website? And what can, are your social media handles? They can go to uh, www.dope, D-O-P-E-T-O-H-O-P-E.com, dope to hopecom I am on Facebook or Instagram at Tim Ryan, dope to hope or on Twitter at A Man in Recovery. And they can Thank call you. us at 844-611-HOPE, 844-611-4673. That number does not ring to a call center. It rings to my personal cell phone. I answer every call. Thank you so much. And Thank can you, you say Annie. your website one more time? Dope2hope.com. Okay, dope to hope, you guys.com. Tim, I, I want you to come back, and I actually want to meet your beautiful bride, too. You absolutely she will. She is an inspiration. You and, and Jen you. could talk for hours. <laughs> thank you, thank you, I thank, thank you. you for your time and your sacrifice to our communities and the help that you're giving so many thousands of people. And we love you at Pink Chair. Thank we'll you, Annie. You we love you too. God bless. You're welcome. You too. Thank you. Bye. Hi, friends. I want to talk about our nonprofit today. It's called Destiny House. And it's a place where ladies that have been in the sex industry, ladies that have been sex trafficked, can come and live and recover from their lifestyle. Basically, it's this to dream discover, develop into the perfect destiny that God has for them. It's nine to 24 months. And we're so excited because we're actually going to be opening up our second home called Dream House. And this place is a place where ladies can come after the first program. And it's more independent living where they have their jobs and their schooling that they're doing. And they can become more successful because we know that trauma and complex trauma is real. That's why I want to ask you today to please consider to partner with us because most, if not all of these ladies come to our program and they're completely broken. They've got heavy complex trauma with comes with so many different issues and comorbidities that they need help just to get stabilized 
and to get their mind and their heart right and to get healing from that deep trauma. Please partner with us. It's on your heart. We need to keep our houses open. You can go to hookersforjesus.net, click on donate, or pinkchair.com and click on donate. And your donation is tax deductible. Thank you, everyone.